Welcome to On Top of PR with Jason Mudd, presented by Review Maxer. Hello and welcome to On Top of PR. I'm your host, Jason Mudd, and today I'm joined by Diane Schwartz with Reagan Communications, publishers of PR Daily and Communications Week. Diane, welcome to the show. Thanks, Jason. Thanks for having me. Well, we're glad you're here. I'm glad to be here and excited to share uh, some of your smarts with our audience today. And um, you're, uh, we're recording this on September 24th, 2021. And uh, you were telling me that uh, you've got a great view here for those of us that are uh, viewing the video uh, version of this episode. So Diane, where are you exactly? Yeah, well, I'm in my dining room, exactly. But <laughs> um, I'm in Wilton, Connecticut, which is about an hour north of New York City. I live along the Saugatuck River. Here. Very nice. What a great and inspiring view. And and you were saying you get to work from home. Yeah, I mean, like a lot of us during the <laughs> right. pandemic, but we are based, Reagan Communications is based in Chicago, huh. but we have employees all over the, con- the country. Okay. Yeah. And so tell us about Reagan Communications and some of the new initiatives you have coming up. Yeah, thanks for asking about that. Always nice to be able to talk about Reagan. We, we've been around 52 years, a little over that, and we are a media and publishing company. We publish PR Daily, Reagan.com. We recently acquired Communications Week, which is November 15th through the 19th, and that will mostly be online events. And I encourage everyone to check that out at... Um, commsweek.com. We also, um, we do conferences. We have membership councils. The Communications Leadership Council is one of our, one of the top membership organizations for communications leaders. We are going to be launching a PR leadership network shortly. Um, We have a crisis leadership network. We do webinars and awards programs. And, And so essentially, Jason, we are we serve the communications professional from all stages of their career, mm-hmm. from like college to retirement. We also are in the wellness space, workplace wellness, and we have a brand there called um, Workplace Wellness Insider. Very nice. And um, we're doing more and more in that space as well. I think if you're in the PR business, you already know that Reagan Communications is omnipresent uh, with, you know, the alerts you get, the events you can go to. Uh, I know I subscribe to PR Daily and certainly have partaken in your webinars and, and, and other content that you guys produce, which has been always seems to be, you know, first class and relevant to what the industry is looking to. So uh, I know we were going to talk about this at the end, but uh, let's just do it here. Uh, you've got a... Uh, Um, a special offer for the audience of On Top of PR also. And I want people to be aware of that as we're talking uh, during this episode. Absolutely. We are, during Communications Week, we're holding an event called the Future of Communications Conference. It's a full day virtual conference with amazing speakers and topics all about the future of communications from all angles of the profession and the challenges that we're facing as communicators. For those listening to this podcast, if you go to reagan.com forward slash on top of PR, you will be able to see your discount there for registration to the Future of Communications Conference, $100 off for your listeners. And we hope to see you there online. 
Well, thank you. Thank you for offering that. And I hope some of our audience will redeem that and enjoy the conference uh, because it's a great conference, not just because they save a hundred bucks, but a right. hundred bucks is uh, always worth saving. So, And by the way, that's November 17th. Okay, perfect. Yes, I was just going to ask you that. So let's jump right into this. Uh, tell me, what are some of the key day-to-day uh, -day roles for internal communications? Yeah, so we cover both the internal and the external communications role as you know we're covering the whole profession and it's really been an, an amazing ride for internal communicators during this pandemic actually multiple crises going on with social justice issues political mm -hmm. unrest and the pandemic right. um, so for internal communicators they've been on the forefront they're the ones that have been dispensing the information, accurate information um, to employees. They've been helping their C-suite with messaging, particularly the CEO who's been in the spotlight um, on a range of issues. So they are um, responsible for all employee communications, executive communications. It's everything from the internet to town halls, to newsletters, to overall communicating out and you know inward to employees, working with other departments like HR and PR and marketing um, to make sure that employees are informed and engaged and present and productive, and you know stay with the company. They are um, employees are the number one customer um, from our point of view, and so internal comms is an increasingly important role within an organization. And I think the C-suite has begun to recognize that, fortunately. Absolutely. Uh, we are a PR agency specializing in external communications, and we completed more internal communications in the last 18 months than we probably did in our previous 18 years uh, as an agency. And that was where the business was, you know, headed to where the client needs were. And so we were responsive to that while consciously kind of making a decision that we would remain focused on external communications, but use our time and talent to help our clients in need with their uh, internal communications needs. So, uh, so speaking of, we talked about some internal comms um, uh, trends. What are you seeing for external comms uh, uh, challenges and trends? Yeah, I um, I wanted to know one more thing with that, Jason, is that I, like what's internal is external, right? Mm -hmm. So especially with social media, what your employees are doing on social media has an impact on your brand. So there's so many reasons why there's that um, interconnectivity and and interrelation between PR or external comms and internal comms. So mm -hmm. I wanted to note that, but for, for the PR. Yeah, they can't be different, external, right? They can't be in contrast with each other for sure. Right. Alignment's important. So a lot of the areas for external communicators match up with the challenges that internal communicators are having. Right. Um, but I would say that some of the key challenges we're seeing at Reagan and through PR Daily is trust, you know, brand trust and 
we know what that means, you know, in the environment that we're in right now, the the climate, at least in the U.S., that is a very important issue. And communicators are, are the ones that are steering their organization toward, you know, the the storytelling for their organization that is transparent, that in you know that instills trust in their state key stakeholders. So misinformation, disinformation, trust, and purpose are all you know pretty top of mind to those in PR. Um, also diversity, equity, and inclusion. That's both internal and external. But you know, telling your true story as a brand. But making sure your house is in order first, right? So there's one thing about, um, you know, being proponents of DEI and then everyone in your organization is white, (laughs) for example. I mean, we have a real challenge in the PR industry with diversity as it is, and that's just in the PR, you know, space. But um, you know, really making sure you're true to your brand story and getting that in order first, even if there are some things you choose not to do because you you need to line up things internally. Absolutely agree, Diane. That's some uh, good uh, words of wisdom there. Um, let's talk about your view on whether and when brands should take a stance on social issues. For the most part, I think brands should take a stand, not on every issue, Um, But employees expect that. Employees often choose to stay or join a company based Mm -hmm. on the company and what their values are. And they're watching. They're watching what the CEO is saying or not saying when there's something going on, you know, in the mainstream, Mm -hmm. in our mainstream lives. So um, brands should take a stand, but very carefully. In they fact, should choose very carefully what stands they take and then mm-hmm. be sure to be consistent and follow through and know that people are watching and holding them accountable. First of all, I completely agree with you. Certainly uh, employees and external audi- internal and external audiences are watching carefully to make sure to see if the values of the organization align with their values before making a purchasing or employment decision uh, you know, or supporting decision to join them. Um, and then secondly, I believe it was really, I, I believe it was your organization who was the first one to report to me, meaning the first one I saw reporting on it, um, mm-hmm. you know, about how many brands, you know, really failed a year later to make good on their pledges and promises uh, to the marketplace of how they were going to become more diverse, how they were going to support um, social justice more and things like that. And, and I think that's so important to hold these companies accountable, um, you know, to that. Uh, it reminds me of when so many brands were going dark on a particular day during social media. And we actually advised our clients, hey, you can do that, but I'd rather you do, try to do something more meaningful, right? Just, you know, don't just show up, you know, visually uh, supporting, but let's do something that financially supports or puts time and energy and effort into it. And so, for example, one thing we did was launch the George Floyd uh, business mentoring program. That's a free program for, you know, uh, black men in America to help them with their business and give them PR advice or just business advice or whatever it might be. And so, that was something we created as a way of saying, gosh, we want to do something to make a difference and something more than the lip service of just a, a, a thoughtful social media post. Yeah, that's that's a great program. Um, I, I would say the last couple so a couple years ago when DEI 
became sort of a hot button issue and one right. that everyone was focusing on, that there was a lot of talk and a lot of statements put out and mm -hmm. a right. lot of commentary. And then it was said that this year, 2021, was a year of the receipt, you know, where it's like right. sort of show us right. what you've done. I think it's a little bit unfair. I mean, there are small steps that right. yes. I would say almost all companies have taken and it takes a while to write the ship. And, you know, I encourage organizations like in the PR space, there's the Diversity Action Alliance. Reagan Communications is a member of that. It holds you accountable for different metrics within your particular organization and, and set. Um, so things like that that can hold you accountable, industry organizations would be really important. But I think the year of the receipt is going to be more like next year. And we okay. start to really see things happening in a positive mm -hmm. way around diversity, equity, and inclusion. Well, I don't want to make excuses for anybody, but certainly we're still living through a pandemic. And so, you know, there are some limitations. For example, uh, we give out a scholarship and the foundation we give out the scholarship through was having a hard time sending checks because of the pandemic. And so I really leaned in and just said, hey, guys, you know, this is a student school start in August. They need our money. You've got my money. Figure this out. You've had, you know, 18 months or, or so of a, uh, you know, pandemic to figure out how you pay people. And clearly you're still paying your staff and your rent and your other expenses. Let's make sure this student gets their due. And um, so, you know, I think people need to take action, but certainly we probably need to give them a little bit of the benefit of the doubt is, as you're mentioning there. Yes, I, I think so too. Yeah. yeah. Well, good. Um, <clears throat> let's talk about uh, the future of the communications profession. Um, kind of what do you see as being kind of the most important skills and competencies that we need today? And uh, what should communications professionals be thinking about for the future? I'm so excited about, you know, this question in particular, because we are at a crossroads. Communicators are at sort of this fork in the road. One road is going back to the way things were. The mm -hmm. other is building on the momentum from the past couple of years where right. the communicator has been elevated and many are now getting getting invited into the room and having a seat at the proverbial table. Um, but seriously, like being able to um, be in those strategy meetings and be invited to the board meetings and the C-suite meetings. That's very important. We need to see more chief communications officers. We need to be mindful of where that sits in the organization from an organizational structure hierarchy standpoint, because that is important in terms of budget and resources. Um, in terms of skill sets and what communicators need now and for the future, what we used to call soft skills like right. empathy and relationship building and um, trust and presentation skills and writing skills. I mean, these are hard skills now, no longer soft skills that are absolutely necessary um, now, not even, you know, five years from now. And one of the most important areas, and we've really been encouraging our Reagan community to take business courses, and we do a business fluency boot camp, a couple of those a year, um, get involved with your CFO and learn 
the business language, be fluent in the business, not only the business that you're in, whatever vertical you're in, but knowing, you know, what EBITDA is, P&L, um, being able to talk the talk, but really understanding that and how that relates to PR or communications. The more business fluent you can be, the more that you begin with the business conversation, not the PR conversation, the more successful you'll be with your campaigns, with your budget, with the C-suite. Diane, I completely agree with you. Uh, that's the one thing I certainly recall a point in my career where I didn't understand financials, didn't care to understand financials. Uh, there's a consultant I know who says if PR people wanted to know financials, they would work in, in, in math, they would work in advertising. And, uh, you know, that kind of described me years ago until I started my own company. And then I realized the importance of understanding the P&L. And uh, there's somebody in the um, uh, industry, uh, John Herb Kirschman, who's been on our show before. And I remember hearing him speak at a conference once. And he said, um, he said, if you don't understand how a company that you work for or a client you have makes money, then you're not very valuable to that organization. And so he would use that technique uh, when he would be, be brought in to turn around a uh, corporate communications department. He would interview each employee who was there and ask them, how does this company make money? And if they'd been there for you know years and they didn't understand that, he was very suspicious about, you know, their contributions to the organization uh, and seeing it past, you know, their specific, you know, job description um, kind of thing. So, yeah, that that's that's so true. And just really understanding um, how communications contributes to the business. Right. Right. Yeah, it's it's that's key or else what will continue to happen is PR and communications professionals feeling like order takers mm -hmm. or like the deli counter, like take a number and what do you yeah, want? You know, the right. PR person delivers it. We don't want that. Nobody, you know, wants mm -hmm. that in every job. There's a little bit of that, mm -hmm. but you know, for the most part, communicators can help really drive the business. And if you're in a PR firm, you know, as I, I'm sure a lot of people listening today are from the agency side, you know, understanding your clients market, and the ecosystem and the supply chain and all the different variables that impact that client and that bi the business that they're in and their competitors and the market forces, you know, read the Wall Street Journal, um, you know, ask a lot of questions. I would say the other skill set um, that I want to make sure that I add to my list, Jason, if you don't mind, is curiosity. Right. That's right. Good. Yeah. We should be hiring people who are curious. Mm -hmm. Yes. Who want to know more, who want to dig in, you know, who who are just really curious about um, the market they serve and the people around them. Well, and I think one thing that's beneficial a lot of times uh, to our industry is we attract uh, journalists to the profession and they're naturally curious. I found that's how I got into journalists was journalism was my natural curiosity and my desire to share stories or share news with other people. And then at some point, you know, I started doing PR uh, on a volunteer basis, didn't think I wanted to do that. And I got the itch to do that. So, uh, hey, Diane, we've got to take a quick break and come back with more uh, from you and okay. uh, looking forward to that. So we'll be right back. You're listening to On Top of PR with your host, Jason Mudd. Jason is a trusted advisor to some of America's most admired and fastest growing brands. He 
is the managing partner at Axia Public Relations, a PR agency that guides news, social, and web strategies for national companies. And now, back to the show. Hello and welcome back to On Top of PR. I'm your host, Jason Mudd, joined today by Diane Schwartz from Reagan Communications. Diane, welcome back. Uh, During the break, we took just a moment and we were just kind of chatting amongst ourselves. And uh, I think this is a great spot to to start in with our next question, which is, you know, year over year, uh, the public relations profession is listed as one of the top 10 um, most stressful jobs in America. And as I'm thinking about you not only being in this space, but you're also running a media company that focuses on employee communications, public relations, and wellness. Uh, so I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit here, Diane, and, and tell us, why do you think public relations is such a stressful profession? What can we do as employers and communicators to reduce the level of stress that we have or that our team has? That is one loaded question. I know, Jason. right? <laughs> Stressing put on, me out. Put on your um, uh, therapist hat and your PhD in, in, in this, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, we the our communications leadership council, Reagan's communications leadership council, we do a benchmark survey every year. And this past year, one of the um, questions is sort of what's holding you back or what's a barrier to effective communications. And 60% of the respondents said too many last minute requests. And, and right under that was not enough resources. So you can see that convergence of that too many requests or what I was talking about before with order taking <laughs> and then not having enough resources. Now, part of that goes back to that skill of like negotiating skills and fighting for more of the budget. If you're depending on where your budget sits, I mean, it would be awesome if everyone in communications reported into the CEO rather than, you know, other departments, but Communicators need to learn how to ask for more and not be afraid to ask for more. And we have the metrics and the data to support those needs. Um, So that is one of the reasons or a few of the reasons why there's so much stress. There's a lot of expectation on, especially on the external comm side, the PR side, to get positive media coverage and unrealistic expectations. So managing expectations is another area that could reduce stress if you manage up appropriately. You know, there are fewer reporters out there, but they need communicators more than ever. And Mm. if you can supply, if you can become sort of industry friends with those media and really get to know them, I think you have a better chance of, you know, reducing your stress level, especially when there's a crisis and Mm -hmm. and the media will help you with that. What I'm really hearing you say is a little bit of, you know, being more strategic and planning and, you know, that kind of thing. You mentioned we can't all report to the CEO and yes, that's absolutely right. Or else the CEO will have zero efficiencies and won't be much of a CEO at all. But I agree with you. I think it comes from some planning um, and planning of resources. And um, the last guest we interviewed for the show, um, Chris Jones, uh, FanDuel, he mentioned just the uh, importance of being in those meetings from the beginning so that when a a new program, a new product, a new service is being discussed, that PR is there early versus at the at the last meeting. Right. Where they're like, oh, by the way, this is going live uh, next week and we need some 
you know, media coverage for it. Talk about a lack of opportunity for the PR people to think expansive and creatively and to deliver more value uh, in the room. And also to be that listening voice of the customer, of the external audience, of the um, newsrooms to start asking the questions they would be asking and maybe pivot uh, the messaging in a way, you know, that is in the best interest of the uh, people that you're serving uh, through your organization. Um, you're reminding me of a time, uh, Diane, when I went to a um, focus group roundtable of PR professionals and one person in the room said, you know, strategy, planning, we don't have time for that. We're too busy doing all these things. And I said, and I just kind of said, you know, the problem I think you're having is you've got a lot of activity, but no strategy. And if you slow down, created a strategy and a plan, you could probably eliminate the things that aren't valuable right. or delivering enough outcomes uh, for the organization. Right. Putting and, the tactics before the strategy. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> yes. And I was at a PR conference uh, a couple of days ago and the person said, you know, oh, I had this client and they're looking for a young person. And I said, well, what does that mean? Ooh. You know, like, you know, uh, and, and by the way, this was a speaker, uh, someone who speaks on diversity and inclusion. And I said, well, what do you mean by that? You know, a young person. And they described it as they wanted somebody who was doing a bunch of tactical work. And I said, well, that doesn't necessarily have to be a young person. Right. And, um, you know, anybody can be a strategist at any age and someone can be more tactical or tactically minded at any age or experience level. And, uh, you know, so I think that's important that we think about that too. But, no, I mean, uh, these are great observations um, uh, for what someone needs to do. So do you have any other tips about communicating to your team and leading through a time of uncertainty, which we just happen to be, you know, living in in spades right now? We've been um, looking a lot at manager communications and the role of the manager changing in this hybrid work environment. I mean, not everybody is working from home and there have been millions of employees who have never had the chance to work from home. You know, they're in right. factories or in retail or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, nevertheless, the manager's role is more important than ever because they're mm -hmm. the ones closely connected to their team. Sure. So the more that we can help managers communicate and listen and help employees and and feed, give that feedback to upper management right you know, that, that would be important the the one-on-ones are more important than ever i mean the zoom zoom has really democratized meetings in many ways you know all yeah. of the boxes you know are the same size and right. um, we really have a chance in some ways to have more intimate conversations with people mm -hmm. which i think we should be you know leveraging rather than um, you know, holding back from video interviews, video meetings, you know, being right. able to have face-to-face -face conversations in this hybrid environment. I think some of us are spending more time with our team and being able to connect with them. Right. Um, and, I, and, you know, I just think that flexibility, we're going to be seeing that, you know, the return to work, there's going to be no date in particular, just like there's no date, I think when the pandemic ends, there's no date when everyone returns to the office, mm -hmm. right? It's gonna, we're gonna have to be used to this uncertainty right. and flexibility. Yeah. And that will help relieve the stress if you just put it out there and say, I don't know yet when we're opening our office, or mm -hmm. I don't know yet, you know, how we're gonna handle this. Right. What do you think? How That's are good. you doing? You know, what's your feedback here? 
I like that. The one thing I learned early in my career also was that the boss should always speak last when soliciting input around the room or around the table, uh, because then it's so easy for people to say, oh, I just agree with what, you know, the supervisor said, the manager said, the CEO said, and instead the CEO should do a very good job or the leader in the room should do a very good job of just listening to everyone first before they weigh in on their thoughts or opinions because their opinion could be persuaded, but the minute they share their opinion, there's no more collaboration, there's no more input and sharing. Everyone's just like, okay, that's what you said. Yeah, and I've seen that so many times uh, in client meetings and whatnot that I almost always try to facilitate the conversation, you know, I hate to use it this way, but from the bottom up, right, as opposed to the top down. Uh, so everyone has a voice and feels heard and has an opportunity to share their unique perspective. I heard on another podcast, Jason, a little tip that I'd love to share. It's, it's sure. really helped me. It's um, the word weight, W-A-I-T. Mm-hmm. And just put that on an index card in front of you when you're in meetings. And what that stands for is why am I talking? Mm, that's good. So before you just talk, because maybe you like the sound of your voice or you feel like everyone should be hearing you, you know, maybe take a step back, no matter what level you are. And it's like, why am I talking right now? Mm. Maybe I should listen right now. So just wait and listen. So why am I talking? But that was a great tip. Yeah, I think that's that's really smart. And, you know, some of the best information comes from those awkward moments of silence where someone feels pressure to keep talking. And then it's really what they say after that that is really oftentimes insightful. Oh, key ger- reporting tactic, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> keep them talking, make it uncomfortable yeah. and yeah. see what they say. So, okay, so we need to wrap up. We This has been a great conversation. I've got uh, one more question for you, and that would be talking about the future of communications. Fill in the blank for us. What does the future? What is the future of communications? Well, I have two answers for that. The first is a future of communications is brighter than ever. Okay. Yeah, I like that. My second is a little promotional, but the future of communications is November seventeenth, <laughs> <laughs> the conference during Communications Week. So check that out. Um, no, but really, it's a great time to be a communicator. Well, speaking of November 15th, uh, remind us what the, uh, the the special offer is and how do people take advantage of it? Yeah, go to reagan.com, R-A-G-A-N.com forward slash on top of PR, and it'll take you to the Future of Communications conference page where you'll see a special discount for our listeners. I love that. And we'll be sure to put a link to that in the show notes to make it convenient for our audience. Speaking of show notes, how would you like us to list how our audience might connect with you uh, if they have questions or they want to get to know you better or just have you in their contacts and network? Yeah, um, you can reach me by email, Diane S at Reagan.com or follow me on Twitter. Diane Schwartz is my Twitter handle. Um, I, I don't think I, I'll give out my cell phone number yet, but those are two good ways. You got to earn that cell phone number from (laughs) Diane, everybody. What about LinkedIn? Are you on LinkedIn? I am on LinkedIn. You can find me there. Okay. And you're active on LinkedIn? Try to be. Yeah. Don't we all? (laughs) (laughs) In fact, uh, I met a CEO this week of a big company and uh, I didn't get his contact information, wanted to follow up with him. And so I sent him a LinkedIn message. Like, I doubt this guy even checks LinkedIn. And all of a sudden we were going back and forth on a meaningful conversation through the LinkedIn messaging. And I thought to myself, I didn't think this guy was on to be on LinkedIn at all based on his uh, experience and, and his uh, 
uh, rank in the organization. But um, I finally had to say, hey, can I get your cell phone number so we can just talk <laughs> about this? Because <laughs> I was getting exhausted with the back and forth. So anyway, <laughs> Diane, it's been a pleasure having you on the episode today or the show. And we really appreciate you being here. Um, everyone knows how to reach you now and, and they're aware of the conference. Um, so we really appreciate that and uh, look forward to building our relationship with you and also our audience being able to reach you. And hopefully we've uh, gotten your organization in front of some new people who weren't yet aware and not yet subscribing to your uh, publications and your conferences. Thank you, Jason. Thanks so much for having me, allowing me to talk about communications. Always love talking about that. Yes, we're always passionate about our profession and helping others stay on top of PR, which is why we do this show every week. So if you've been listening or watching on your preferred platform, uh, do us a favor and share it with one of your colleagues so that they uh, can learn from Diane and her smarts that she shared here. I'm sure you've got a friend or colleague in the business that would benefit from this episode today. Otherwise, we wish you well and staying on top of PR. I've been your host, Jason Mudd. Special thanks to our guest, Diane from Reagan Communications. This has been On Top of PR with Jason Mudd, presented by ReviewMaxer. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode and check out past shows at ontopofpr.com. <laughs>